to Bad Movie Brunch with me, Luke, here in Chicago. And me, Katie, here in Los Angeles. Katie, welcome back to the show. <laughs> uh, I missed you. I missed your 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 voice. Uh, and I miss talking about flicks with you, especially in light of all this ridiculous Comic-Con news that's come out uh, at the 50th San Diego Comic-Con this past mm-hmm. weekend, which will probably air a week after, but <laughs> whatever. Um, crazy shit from Marvel Studios. I know I was like, what could they ever do after Endgame? <laughs> and I wasn't doubting them. I was just legit like asking, like, what is there to do? And then I saw Spider-Man Far From Home three times. Uh, and I was like, yeah, that's pretty good. Pivot. <laughs> and uh, it seems like this new phase, like the slate they announced for phase four is just like going in such a weird direction. Like we're in un- un- unclaimed territory because it's like for once it's not it's not the big four anymore. You know, it's not like three whole phases of, uh, you know, you get your Iron Man movie, your Cap movie, your Thor movie. Um mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, Guardians here and there and shit like that. Now it's like Shang-Chi and the and, and the Legend of the Ten Rings where they're going to do like the actual Mandarin, uh, not the not the Mandarin from Iron Man 3. I still like that twist yeah. in Iron Man 3, but regardless. Uh, they're doing an Eternals movie. Uh, they're doing, oh my God, they're doing uh, Doctor Strange in the Multiverse of Madness. Uh, and it's like him and Scarlet Witch and they, they're calling it like Marvel Studios' first like scary movie, uh, which is... I'm 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 shaking in my boots. I'll go see it. Um on top of on top of that, wait, am I forgetting one? Oh yeah, the Black Widow movie, which I think is intriguing as hell. I don't really um I've heard that it's actually going to take place um in more like recent years in the timeline. I assumed it would be like a a, a big time prequel uh when she was like younger. Um but it, it, well, but that would be difficult to do though because everybody's aged so much since the they since those have, movies began. I think Scarlet looks pretty I don't know. I think she could play. I think she could do it. But I um that's a good point. I didn't think about that. Um uh Thor Love and Thunder, which is bringing back Taika Waititi and Natalie Portman's returning to the franchise now as Lady Thor. The that was the biggest Thor. surprise for me. It or at least mind. like I haven't heard a lot, but like I didn't think she would ever come back. Oh, I know. And it's like you know, they mentioned her in uh, Age of Ultron, and uh, she was in. She appeared in Endgame, but that was largely because of like uh, uh, Thor: The Dark World flashbacks and stuff like that. Um, but to have her come back and have her come back and wielding the hammer is is so exciting. And last but not not least, a Blade movie with Marshala Ali, mm-hmm. which is like. Are you shitting me? Because like for everybody was always whispering about maybe the MCU will do Blade, especially after the Netflix series took off the way they did and stuff. Um, but to get a full on movie, I guess Kevin Feige was like, yeah, uh, Marshall Ali sat down with us. He wanted to have a meeting. He's like, hey, we should do Blade. And it's like when that dude talks, you listen. And I'm like, hell yeah. Uh, especially because I heard that this was right after he won for Green Book. And he was just like, look, listen, like we're doing this now. And they were like, yeah, man, sure. I mean, add another Oscar winner to the list. I mean, let's see. Marissa Tomei, Oscar winner. Brie Larson, mm-hmm. Oscar winner. Marshall Ali, Oscar winner. Um, am I forgetting? D- does RDJ have an Oscar? I don't know, man. Oh, fuck. Um, I don't think he does. I mean, it's worth a Google. We'll look this up after the after the show. I don't, who cares? The point is they have great talent. <laughs> um, yeah. 
and uh, they're so good at casting. Um, it's interesting how like ingrained he is, and like I wonder if he's just a big Marvel fan because so he was Cottonmouth on Luke Cage, season one. He mm-hmm. played uh, un- Uncle Aaron, uh, Aaron Davis, the Prowler, and Spider-Man into the Spider Spider-Verse. And he was and, amazing. And he was amazing, uh, Natch. And now he's gonna be Blade, the fucking the Vampire Slayer, the Vampire mm-hmm. Hunter. Um, it's just like so. He's worked for Marvel TV. He's worked over at Sony uh, Marvel collab, and now he's gonna work in the legit MCU. It's like I tr- I truly wonder if he just likes working with the company or if he like or if he's just a big fan of the books um there's a good chance of both there's also, also they pay really well they do pay well <laughs> and you can kind of name your price when you're when you're that dude um mm-hmm. also a shitload of series for the disney plus app uh falcon and the winter soldier stoked wandavision hopefully my my lovey-dovey rom-com with uh, vision and scarlet witch i hope is mm-hmm. gonna just be sweet and adorable uh, we got a Loki series and then something I'm like, um, a Hawkeye series, which, okay. I, I, I'm glad everybody's excited and everybody likes Kate Bishop and she's going to appear and stuff. I'm all for Hawkeye fans. Uh, everybody has their thing. So good for them. <laughs> um, but the one I'm most excited about is, uh, the MCU's first, uh, animated show, which is the what if from like the, the classic Marvel, what if comics, um, mm-hmm. and it's just going to be a bunch of these like different scenarios within the fabric of the MCU. And they're going to bring back, uh, tons of the actors to reprise their role through, uh, voice acting. Um, I think it's going to be tons of fun. Good stuff, man. So Katie living in this age. Oh wait, do you have anything that you want to talk about? <laughs> really you, quick. Been... Uh, yes. I went to go see yesterday. Oh my God. I saw it too. You did? I thought it was so cute. I thought it, it was is. a great family movie. You can take your grandma to go see it. It's just a, a nice, feel-good, kind of nice and wacky summer flick. I couldn't agree more. It's it's really sweet. Um, really, really charming. Ed Sheeran's cute in it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, like the movie is, is, is very easy to watch. The, the stakes aren't incredibly high, but it's like exactly exactly the 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 dose of uh of warmth you need right now (laughs) yeah um yeah i I really dug it and i thought like uh spoilers 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 if you're gonna see it spoilers spoilers the twist um the twist at the end where uh so it's like for a long time the main character is like focusing on like all the negative ramifications that have now kind of happened and he feels like a fraud and stuff. But then, uh, there's a couple other people that still remember the Beatles too. And then he gets to go visit John Lennon and John Lennon's just this dude now, but he's still alive instead of like having been assassinated decades ago. Mm -hmm. And it's really, really beautiful. And they have this nice scene together and I don't, whoever they got to to play that looks just like an age John Lennon. Um, yeah, it was really. You can really tell he's nice. wearing a kind of a prosthetic nose, but other than that, it's pretty yeah. seamless. It was really sweet, and he's just this dude, and he just does art, and he lives up at the beach, and he's happy, and like it's just something I didn't know I ever needed, and th- mm-hmm. th- it was just such a smart call in this in the in this story. Um, really, really sweet. Obviously, you're gonna like. I assume this movie was gonna be more of like a jukebox musical with Beatles songs. It was not. This is a this is a movie. Um, and it really has uh, rewatchability. I can't wait to check it out again myself. Yeah. 
I also thought that he was going to get assassinated, our main character, when um oh. when one of the people that know also remembers the Beatles sees him and starts Googling him. I thought that was going to be where the movie was going to go, and I'm so glad it didn't. Oh. I'm so glad it kept sweet. <laughs> yeah, let's stay sweet. Oh, my God, that is so troubling. But, yeah, um, in a different movie, that could have happened. Mm-hmm. I can see that happening, <laughs> and, I, and I don't yeah. like it, Katie. Yeah. Um, well, um, you mentioned Spider-Man at the top of the show. I mentioned Spider-Man. <laughs> yeah. And, uh, you know, it's really easy in uh, this time and place when we've got, in the past year, we've had a Spider-Man video game. We've had Spider-Man Far From Home. Uh, we've had Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse. We've had Spider-Man in Infinity War and Endgame. Uh, we had Homecoming a couple years ago. There's all of the Spider-Man, all of these different stories that are all working so well. Um, that were really spoiled and uh, it's hard to believe that just like a few years ago um, we were really starved for Spider-Man content uh, and the only thing you had to choose from uh, between that sort of gawky phase between the Raimi trilogy and uh, bringing Peter in uh, through the MCU and Civil War was uh, the sort of redheaded stepchild of uh, Spider-Man cinema uh, the Amazing Spider-Man one and two uh, from Mark Webb. Um, remember that these even and happened, man, Katie? <laughs> I, I okay, I kind of remember these happening, but I don't know anybody who went to go see them. And I remember looking at them from the distance and being like, mm, "That looks bad," and not going because it, it didn't look bad in like a fun bad kind of way, just in like no. a like a regular kind of bad way. So I skipped these in the theater, and then um, when you and I were having our summer of Spider-Man back in grad school, where we just watched a ton of, we watched the Sam Raimi flicks, all of them, and then we oh, watched yeah. these, uh, I, that was my introduction to them, and uh, I was proven correct. They are just bad. They're just <laughs> real bad. Um, I, I, have, I have to be honest with you, um, and this is going to sound like such a lame me kind of answer, but... Living in a in a in a time and place where I have a lot of excellent Spider-Man content to choose from, mm-hmm. I think I can finally appreciate these movies a bit more than I was able to for a very long time. Because when this was all we were getting, and I really, really, really loved uh, the Raimi movies one and two. I thought three was awful, um, and I I still try to watch every every few years. I'll be like, do you don't watch Spider-Man three? Remember how sick that is? And then I'm like. No, it's not. It's really not good. Uh, and so to be consistently disappointed was tough. Because, um, okay, so 2006 or 7, I think mm-hmm. 7, you get Spider-Man 3, and it's bad. And mm-hmm. they're planning on doing Spider-Man 4 still. Raimi was, uh, he had plans for, like, Vulture and Black Cat, uh, and he really, really, really wanted to, uh, to, to make up for the mistake. But Sony was rushing his ass, and uh, he was like, you know what? Just make your reboot. I know you want to anyway. And they were like, all right. And what could have been amazing would be amazing. Nice. Um, uh, <laughs> is if they would have taken it and done, a, done something a little different. And instead, they give you the amazing Spider-Man. Uh, instead of Spider-Man 4 in a, tr- in a, in a, in a franchise we all kind of know and loved, we get a reboot, a hard reboot. But the movie elects to, like, 
sort of try and follow the beats of the first one, like beat for beat in terms of like origin. And it's like, everybody knows the Spider-Man origin and we just That's saw shitload of movies with somebody we liked. Because, so um, that was a bad call. With, with, with Tobey Maguire, you know, it's interesting to compare these two because you, you just can't not. Uh, in you those movies, he, for one thing, he Spider-Man's a little bit more quickly and he's experimenting with it. It's not like an all or nothing thing like it is in this, um, like it is with Andrew Garfield. Like right. it takes him 54 minutes to Spider-Man. And nobody wants that's, that. No, because it takes forever for the fun to happen. Like at least um, when in the Sam Raimi Spider-Man One movie, Peter Parker is kind of exploring the funness of Spider-Man, or at yes. least his powers, before he realizes that he needs to use them responsibly and to fight crime. So there's a bit more like like you get to spend some more time with the discovery, and um, he goes and he becomes a wrestling star, and he makes the outfit, and he's. Uh, trying to use it for his own personal gain, and then Uncle Ben dies, and he's like, "Oh no, I gotta like fight crime." All that works really well. In this one, it's just like he's he has the powers, but he's not really doing anything with them. And then Uncle Ben just dies, and then he just Spider Man's like, like there's no build up really, even it's, though it takes fifty four minutes to get there. Here's why I think it takes 54 minutes to get there. So, like, that was one of my biggest problems in the theater. I'm, as you know, Spider-Man is my dude. It's my favorite mm-hmm. character. Um, so I'm going to come out for any, I'm going to show out for any Spider-Man. And while I was really skeptical about this movie and the reboot, I was still like, yo, Spider-Man movie in theaters, this is my moment. So the fact that, like, I'm like, all right, we had three. Uh, my favorite part about any Spider-Man flick that Raimi really, really drove home for me was the web swinging. I just want to watch some web swinging. Whatever happens, happens. Just let me see some web swinging. And we don't get <laughs> any web swinging for almost an hour. And then when we get it, it's not, like, what we're used to. And I, they, 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 like, they, like, stayed committed to, like, I think we want to be more practical with our effects and stuff like this. And I think this is also a product of a... Remember when the Nolan uh, Batmans were happening and then everybody got obsessed with the term gritty? Like everybody yeah. was like, oh, we want to make a gritty oh, version yeah. of this. And mm-hmm. I think this is this at least the first one, not the second one is so much. But Amazing Spider-Man 1 is is sort of a, a product of that we want to make a gritty Spider-Man reboot. And that's like the aesthetic they went with and that was like their excuse to like have a lower budget, I guess, and stuff like that. And Okay, that's fine, but you've got all these different elements like we want a gritty Spider-Man, but we want to have a secret origin about his parents, but we also, the studio wants to follow the exact beats of the first origin because that that worked, and why confuse people? Um, and, like, so there's all these things kind of, like, clashing with one another, and it ends up giving you uh, a, a movie that doesn't have an identity. It doesn't know what it wants to be. Um mm. And I, I don't know whether that happens on the page or in the editing process. Um, I have no idea. But when this movie was coming out in trailers, they pitched it as like, I'm Spider-Man, but what I really care about is what happened to my parents. And I'm like, okay, weird spin. But then that's hardly even touched on in the movie. <laughs> it like starts out as like this really weird like spy thriller that's his parents being these like secret agents kind of that are like working for Oscorp. And then it just kind of like ditches that and goes into like typical, uh, you know, hero movie fare. Um, and I'm left to like wonder what was the point. 
It, yeah, and they just don't plant, even though it's supposed to be dark and gritty, I just don't feel it throughout the movie. Like, I don't feel Peter's loss for his parents. I don't think that was done very effectively. I don't feel his loss of Uncle Ben, really. Or, and it's not because people are bad actors. I do think that it's a matter of the pacing of the movie. I think a lot of it's the writing and maybe the editing. And uh, also, one thing that totally doesn't land for me in this first flick is that I don't think that uh, Peter or um, or Gwen have any chemistry, and I don't understand the attraction at all. Like, they just kind of happen out of, just because the story says that they have to. Yeah, they copy, like, they copy the Flash Thompson bit to the letter from the Raimi one, where it's like, mm-hmm. oh, Flash, you're bullying me, and now I'm going to get you back, and like, so that, and it's like, god damn it. Like, the MCU did Flash where it's like a uh, dude from Grand Budapest and stuff. And he's like this also smart kid who's just kind of lame. And that's genius. Like, it's just, g- give me a spin. Like, you know, surprise I me. will say something in this movie's defense that I kind of liked looking back on it in regards to Flash Thompson. Is that Flash is kind of portrayed as this guy who does bully out of insecurity. But he, yeah. like, genuinely cares about people. Like, he... He seems to actually care about Gwen, and he seems to, like, really... Like, he goes up to Peter after uh, Uncle Ben dies, and he's trying to just reach out and be like, hey, man, I'm so sorry. And I thought that was a nice touch, because it shows him that he has a little bit more depth. But, like, that's it. We don't spend any more time with him. I wish that we kind of had, because I think that would have been an interesting spin, is to make Flash Thompson more of a, like, rounded character. Yeah, and I think that's and I I I think you're absolutely right, and I think that's what they're kind of trying to like they're wor- they're working their way because the first one is like Joe Manage- Managello or whatever the dude that was gonna play Deathstroke, uh, mm-hmm. Magic Mike dude. Um, he was uh really like his char- not his fault. He's an awesome actor. Uh, but his character in the Raimi movie was kind of like one dimensional. This one's kind of two dimensional, and then I think they're really crushing it with the Flash and um, Homecoming and uh, Far From Home. I think he's gonna continue to be part of the ensemble, um, and maybe turn another, into Venom like in the comics. I don't know. There's another um, thing that I thought was like ridiculously lame in this movie that they do in both of these movies. So both of these movies end with a tragedy, with a death, and. Uh, they are like, oh, it's really... And I think this is because, to your point, the grittiness, that we wanted gritty superheroes, or at least people oh, thought boy. that we wanted gritty superheroes. Oh, don't we? So Gwen's father dies, and he makes Peter promise to not let her get hurt. Essentially, he's like, you got to break up with my daughter so that she's not a part of this. Like, you got to cut this out. And, um, which is interesting. He doesn't say, stop being Spider-Man. He's like, just stop spending time with my daughter, which is, all right. And Peter tries to do that, and it seems like he's like, this is my angsty thing. And you know what? Fine. If we were going to go that route, sure. But you got to commit. Like, at the end of the first Spider-Man, if I recall, Peter breaks up with MJ, and then they just end the movie. Like, there's the funeral, and then they part, and you're like, ah, that sucks, man. Goddamn. I know. But in this one, they don't commit. Because Peter kind of tries to break up with Gwen, and they yeah. kind of are like, I'm just not going to see you for a while. And then at the very end, he's like, but some promises are worth breaking or something like that, and they end up together again. Yep. So it's like, yeah, what was the count. point of any of that? <laughs> Fucking, okay. 
so let's talk about let's talk about things I really actually uh, have grown to love about this movie, and this is okay. with only these fresh eyes, and I'm it's talking about kind of this on the same hand. So here's what I like: the whole Captain Stacy not being about Spider Man, but then like him dying like uh, along like next to Spider Man, and basically being like, "Yo, I know what's up." That is straight from the comics. That is a Stan Lee written issue. Um, where uh, Captain Stacy dies, and the line is something along the lines of like, um, Peter. He doesn't know he, he's not. So in this movie, they set it up and show him take off the mask, and like Captain Stacy knows he's Peter. But in the comic, he doesn't. Uh, he's never. It's never been confirmed to the reader. And then he get, he's dying, and with his last breath, he just tells Spider Man to to take care of her. And so that's that lets everybody know that oh my God, Captain Stacy re- had figured out that Peter Parker was Spider Man. So I love, oh my God, you know I love that shit. You know that I mm-hmm. love when you take like panels and put it on screen. So I'm into that. I know it doesn't necessarily, it's kind of like shoehorned for the, in a plot that is kind of like, you know, choppy. But I really, really get a kick out of seeing like legit, um, like classic Spidey stories uh, portrayed on screen. So I was into that, but strictly for the fact <laughs> like, uh, with that spin. And I don't want to always be like, you should watch it this way. But that sometimes that helps me just enjoy things more. Um, I also love that it's called The Amazing Spider-Man. I don't know if I agree. No. <laughs> um, uh, but that's that's classic. I think that sounds really cool. I like the suit in this. I think it's really, that's a nice uh, touch. Um, it's, it's a lot different than the Raimi um, suits. So I'll take it. Um, at the time, I wasn't about it at all i thought it looked awful and i hated the yellow eyes it kept reminding me of aunt may in the first one she's like those horrible yellow eyes <laughs> like talking about green goblin um but there's that and you know what i will say having mark webb who it's like an interesting choice kind of an mcu sort of move like nabbing a dude from like uh sort of like smaller movies uh and like rom-coms and stuff like that and throwing him in charge of a of a superhero franchise it is cool um, he did 500 Days of Summer. I like that. Um, and I actually think that the scenes where he gets to be romantic, the scenes with uh, Gwen and uh, Peter, I think I like their chemistry. I thought those scenes were kind of sweet. Um, I think that it works a lot better in the second movie than it does in the first. I don't know what happens. I think it's just because the the, the love story just feels way too rushed for me in the first one. Sure. But in the second one, they're already together. So they're able to kind of, uh, it, it feels more natural, like like their flirtatiousness and how they play off of each other and some of the grief. Like Emma Stone has this really great moment where she's just looking at Peter like really distraught and like that really rams home. But like anything in this movie just didn't feel like there was enough time for it to breathe. Or I feel like it would have been better if they were already together in this movie and we kind of just, I, I get that they wanted to do an origin movie, but it just everything about the origins fell flat for me. I think that they should have just skipped it and gone right to, they're already together. Uncle yep. Ben is already gone. He's yep. been Spider-Manning. Well, and that's what they did with home uh, with civil war and homecoming. And look how, <laughs> look how good that shit worked. Mm-hmm. Um, they're figuring it out. Um, but yeah. And I also, uh, I like that they used Gwen Stacy. I think that's really, really cool since that kind of was Peter's first real uh, love interest in the comics before MJ. Um, and I was really, really stoked. I also love the look of her in this movie because, like, 
it stands out because it's like a, a modern movie, but they've got her like in the go-go boots from like the sixties and shit. Like, so she looks like, uh, ste- like she stepped out of the pages. I'm very, very cool with that. And I think Emma Stone, there's an Oscar winner right there. Um, you've got Sally Field as a uh, as a uh, uh, Aunt May. Aunt May, Oscar she's winner. great. Yeah, yeah. You got you got Martin Sheen for Christ's sake as Uncle Ben. Like the cast is really cool. And you know what? I spent a long time being pissy about Andrew Garfield, and I'm an asshole, like just straight up. Because I are I you? don't know. Are you? I, because okay. The okay, thing I'll, that I I'll, think works with him is that he's not a great Peter Parker. I've heard many people say this, but I'm going to repeat it. He's not a great Peter Parker, but he is a great Spider-Man. Like those moments where he gets to crack wise in the suit, those are great. But he doesn't, nobody seems like a high schooler in this movie. So when he tries to be like a, like when they, they try to like have him be kind of awkward in love as a high schooler, it just totally falls flat. I, I always like cringe at that. I always cringed at that argument by people that like, I think Tobey Maguire is a better Peter Parker but Andrew Garfield's a better Spider-Man. And I used to hate these this like first movie so much. I like the second one. But I used to hate this like idea so much of this Spider-Verse that I was like, fuck you. Tobey Maguire is the best Spider-Man and Peter Parker. Like, you know what I mean? I was like, you guys are fools. But um I think it's 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 partly an acting thing. Um but also maybe a script thing that he gets amazing dialogue and stuff to say and do when he's Spider-Maning. A lot mm-hmm. more fun shit to do than uh Tobey Maguire got to. Um, but the problem is, and I understand why the argument exists, is when he's Peter Parker, he's the coolest, handsomest guy I've ever seen. Yeah, um, absolutely. thousand percent. So it's like, that that doesn't super work for me. Like, I understand he's smart and kind of awkward, but he's he's the hottest guy on earth. Uh, let's just be honest. It's like, mm-hmm. uh, and and like him and him and Gwen are both like 28 or something. Yeah. I mean, Full like, stop. so, um, yeah. So there's that. Um. So I'll listen to that argument now. And I think that he actually, you're like, he does a phenomenal job of Spider-Man. And I feel bad because he's actually one of those, he's actually just a big Spider-Man fan. Mm -hmm. Um, Like, so to get like this chance as an actor and to kind of have like, and for the character that you just absolutely adore. And then you get to play him and you think like, Oh shit, this is my moment. And don't get me wrong. It was huge for his career. I'm sure. But now you're the Spider-Man movies that will maybe age in posterity, but you're the ones that people didn't like as much and you're yeah. branded that way. Whereas Tobey Maguire and Tom Holland and now like, uh, even like the, the, the people in miles, like miles Morales and the spider verse and stuff, Jake Johnson, like everybody, Chris Pine, like everybody likes, there's everybody likes every Spider-Man more than they like Andrew Garfield. Um, talking of course, hyperbolically. I know there's some people that really champion him. Um, but it seems that way. And, and I think that sucks. Um, because I, I'm I'm sure he was giving it his best, and I actually uh, liked his performance. Um, rewatching these two movies uh, a lot more than I used to. I just used to be such a dick and really critical, especially of Spidey, uh, just because I'm like I know everything about Spider-Man. So if this is wrong, I'm gonna be a jerk about it. And so I think I was going in with piss and vinegar uh, to not like this movie back in like 2011, 2012. And I think um, it's also because like. Again, Andrew Garfield, I think he, there's something, again, they thought that we wanted these gritty movies, but really, like, when it comes to the character of Spider-Man, I think that deep down, even though he does have that tragic backstory, that we want Spider-Man to be fun. Spider-Man is a fun character. So when Andrew Garfield gets the chance to be fun, he really excels, because I think that he gets that about Spider-Man. 
He really, really does. And it, yeah, that's a that's that's very well put. And that shows. Yeah, like you can tell he's a fan because when he is Spider Manning, he's hilarious. He's as witty and charming as we've ever seen Spidey be um, on film. I think it rivals anybody that we've seen when he's in the suit. Um, and that should go with uh with with uh <laughs> I'm fucking this up. That should not go unnoticed. Um, but overall, it's just you got a lot of really cool things that aren't getting a chance to click because the movie is so like choppy. Um, yeah. And, it and feels I think that like, they were just really wanted no, to get that origin in. Yeah. And it, you know what it feels like to me? It feels mm. like, so the way this whole, re- when Stanley, when Marvel was going broke, broke and Stanley was going to LA uh, to sell off their properties, it was like, uh, you know, everybody was taking, different shit. So Fox got X-Men and Fox got, uh, fantastic four and daredevil and like a lot of rights to different shit. Um, uh, Sony was genius and they're like, why would we fuck around and take those other characters? Well, we can just take all of Spider-Man. We will have Mm -hmm. the cinematic exclusive cinematic rights to all Spider-Man and his entire catalog. What a brilliant, brilliant play. Uh, to have a monopoly on those characters. But the problem with that, the business side of it is, this movie, The Amazing Spider-Man, literally only existed to keep rights. Yeah. Because it's not like, so it's like, we're not going to do a Raimi's fourth one, but if we don't make something, the deal reverts, and then Marvel Studios, this young upstart, will get the rights to to the webhead, and and we can't do that. Um, So off the bat, you're making this flick just, it's it's like the kid that puts down the toy, and somebody else tries to play with it, and it's like, no, that's my toy. And so mm-hmm. we get this. And it's like a lot of cooks in the kitchen that all wanted like different things, and the ingredients don't work together. I will say this, and you've said this before, but I it didn't really sink in until this rewatch, is that I did enjoy the second one more than the first. I like kind of love the second one. Like I kind of love it. And it's that's just way more fun. Getting better. Oh god, yes. And I think that's what I needed so desperately. Um because you go years without a Spidey film, nothing mm-hmm. like d- radio silence. And then you finally get amazing Spider-Man and you don't, the first one, you don't really get hardly any good webs. I mean, you, the action is cool when you get it, but the movie's really dark the, it, he's outside a lot at night. Um, and like, you know, it, they were trying to be a lot more practical. It's like, let's line up these cranes for Spider-Man, this hero that we've known for two weeks. Um, also, we just really quick. Uh, Doctor Connors looks ridiculous. He looks like a Goomba from uh, Super Mario Brothers, the live action movie. You, anyway, you, I loved you texted me that, and then I watched that with that in mind. I'm like, holy shit! How do they not think <laughs> about that? Like, hist- if you don't know history, you're doomed to repeat it. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So, uh, and that's why you're on Bad Movie Brunch right now. Um, yeah. <laughs> uh, Mark Webb, I love you if you're listening. Um, and Electro just looks way better in the second movie. Yep. I oh, damn. I think um I think it was cool they went with Lizard. I think that's a very cool idea. They didn't quite deliver, but that's fine. The second movie. Now this is my shit. And mm-hmm. this this was ugh, so weird because I was I felt like largely people were kind of sixty forty. They were cool with the Amazing Spider Man, and I was like in the the people that were like I didn't really love that. And then this one comes out and you're starved for more Spidey. It's been two or three years. And this is at a time where we've now we've had the Avengers. 
Um, this is uh, coming out right in the same timeline as uh, like April was was Winter Soldier, game changing, uh, and then uh, in May you had uh, Days of Future Past, uh, which was game changing, and then you also have in May uh, Amazing Spider-Man Two, and there's a lot of pressure on this flick to deliver because you know we're seeing all these brilliant team ups and seeing what happens when you get to let these characters play with each other and Spider-Man is still kind of alone um mm-hmm. and it, it and, and it's starting to like show so it's like if they don't really impress us people are really going to demand for those rights to go back to uh to the to Marvel so they can see the Spider-Man they're they're looking for and we get this flick and it's light i mean it's not it's dark some crazy shit happens but it's bright outside and his suit is like honestly maybe my favorite suit we've seen in a movie he's got those huge amazing white slash reflective eyes it's mm-hmm. kind of like a perfection on the on the Raimi suit but with like better eyes and like it looks like it looks like real oh god it looks so good um and we've got a fun little like Paul Giamatti fight and he's got the Spider-Man theme song as his ringtone and he's late for graduation. I'm like classic spied and like he's wisecracking and like this is good stuff. You know what I mean? How'd Mm -hmm. you feel going into this after like the dark and gritty amazing Spider-Man one? God, it was such a breath of fresh air. And again, they let him just crack wise in the suit. And I'm like, this is just what I wanted. And uh, I, I think that it's great that they... They also did this great thing where they acknowledged Gwen Stacy's smarts in this movie, where she actually is able to uh, come up with a solution that's very smart to defeat the villain. And uh, But we also see that she's not infallible and she wasn't ready to be a part of like a fighting crime. So you get to have both of those things, show that she is capable of certain things, but not... Uh, what, what's the term? Um... Uh, she can still get hurt. Yeah, for sure. She's uh, yeah, and I, I think they um, I think they did a decent job with that the whole time. Like you know, uh, Gwen worked at Oscorp in the first one, and she works at Oscorp mm-hmm. in the second one, and like she's she's number one in her class to Peter's number two. Like she's the smartest person in the room most of the time, mm-hmm. um, all the time. Uh, and yeah, she is helpful in the plot and stuff. The thing I didn't love <laughs> about the beginning of this movie is um is the previously on Amazing Spider-Man and we kind yeah. of like replay the scenes from the beginning of the first one that got thrown away about like his parents and stuff and like mm-hmm. why do I I don't know I don't know I'm like they're in a plane <laughs> they're in a plane and they're absconding and uh Taylor my fiance you know her she goes yeah. uh, oh is this the rest of their story and I'm like well slow down there buckaroo uh I, everything with his parents is bad we're just going to see him get brutally, brutally killed mm-hmm. um, to set up one, a Rosebud situation with Roosevelt for later on in a very, very convoluted plot. So do you want Amazing Spider-Man 1 where it's like simple beats and, you know, just like average? Or do you want a really fun, ambitious movie that is an incredibly convoluted plot in Amazing Spider-Man 2? <laughs> Yeah, and then you you get to, like, both have, like, really fun Spidey and, like, the romance with Gwen is a lot better, but we do have that weird parent subplot that, like, we super didn't need. So it's like, there there's so many pieces, and some of them are really, really good, and some of them are not so good. And I think that that's what's difficult for people is because there's just so much crammed into this movie. It's two and a half hours. 
Yeah, it's it's yeah, it's long and uh, mm-hmm. you know, it had a lot to it had a lot of hype to live up to. Um mm-hmm. and it's just like w- Spider-Man's like the most like loved comic book character there is worldwide. So the fact that they kept like sort of disappointing, I'm sure was really frustrating for the people at Sony. Um but that being said, I wasn't that disappointed with this one because I you know, A, I think it was really cool to do Electro. Uh, mm-hmm. I thought Jamie Foxx was, was fun. I thought he was crazy. I thought he played mm-hmm. it well. Um, but something uh, st- something that stood out to me that I thought, uh, oh, Katie's going to talk about this, <laughs> is so we have them wanting to do dark and gritty in the first one, uh, and it's not really delivering, but they're trying, and they're kind of sticking to it. In this mm-hmm. one, there's a million different tones. And yeah. so Jamie Foxx, so we, we start out in, like, crazy spy thriller. Then we go into, like, fun spidey scene and then he goes to graduation and he's like 38 years old and stuff and then you have max dylan jamie fox who is like in a different movie he is he's like, fatal attractioning it oh god he's having like Absolutely. he's like obsessed with spider-man and like he's got serious like uh I, what would you say like so like social issue social mm-hmm. like yeah. it's 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 really nuts and he's like obsessed with them and all this other shit. And uh, it's really sad too. Like he's killing it. Like he's really, really acting, uh, that, that role. Well, um, my, my favorite is when he goes, I had a friend once it didn't work out. Yeah. When, when um, he finally gets all electro, I'm like, yeah. And part of the only kind of thing I have against electro in this movie is I'm like, Okay, so I get that these movies are nonstop Peter using his Sony phone and computer and, like, Sony, 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 Sony. But I'm like, Mm -hmm. did you do an Electro villain just so you could do, like, a sort of, like, dubstep, like, Electro soundtrack? And also Mm -hmm. so you could be, like, Sony speakers and, like, stuff like that. I'm like, God damn it. I'm like, is this a Sony commercial? Like I, I, you know I get that, that somebody probably pitched it that way. I don't know if oh, they went God. into that with that intent, but somebody was probably like, "I'm a genius. They're gonna have to do my idea because look at how I integrated all these Sony products." Yeah, no, I think you're right, and I think, um, I think it's cool. I like this version of Electro. The original Electro in the comics is really, really kitschy, and he's got, like this big goofy mask. And instead, you give me Jamie Fox doing like the more Ultimate Spider-Man version. Uh, mm-hmm. Where he can like literally turn into actual electricity and like that's a that's a very interesting vil- villain and difficult to mm-hmm. beat. Spider Man's roster of villains is deep; like it competes with the best of them. Um, and lest we not forget the addition the uh, addition of another villain, which I thought was very interesting. I go back and forth on this one, but um, having uh, Harry Osborn in this movie was a choice. It was um, a choice. <laughs> it was a choice. There are things about it that I really liked, like like when they were like when they were skipping rocks and they were like uh, making fun of each other. I thought that was all really cute and charming. Uh, and when he was going crazy, I thought uh, that was really interesting. And when he green goblins, I was like, all right, that's a take. His teeth are all fucked up now. But um, it just would have been nice if it would have been planted earlier and with better pacing. Yeah. No. I um I love the goblin of it all. Um mm-hmm. I really do. And I think that here's another instance where they're making a choice that I love where they're like, Yeah, it's not just a, a dude in a green suit. This is like a family disease. He is disease. a goblin. It's like yeah. yeah, it's a family disease. It's like retrovi- retroviral hypodysplasia. And like he's like, Yeah, I you know, 
I got this disease and I'm an actual goblin and I've got these nails and I'm like, fuck, that is cool. Oh my mm-hmm. God, now we're talking. And he's like, and you're going to get it too. And then he just dies. And like, yeah. I like that it's Dane DeHaan uh, as a, as a, the goblin, um, mm-hmm. especially because like off the heels of like Chronicle, I'm like, this guy plays evil pretty well. I like that. Um, also, he kind of looks more like a traditional Peter Parker. That's a good call. Dane DeHaan, uh, Dane DeHaan would be a choice as Peter Parker. Mm-hmm. Um, I think his delivery in this is interesting. Um, I think that a lot sometimes I I actually didn't didn't go for their friendship like the, what you're talking about. I thought those scenes were cringy. In my I opinion. thought they were cute. Oh God! I, I just like, think oh. they could have been paced better. Hey, hey, oil pal, you still blow dry your hair every morning? He's like, do my my man servants do it? And I'm like, all right, guys, you're very funny. You're very funny. You're very funny. Um, <laughs> but I get you. It, it's nice to see Peter get to have a friend. Um, yeah, holy I'm, crap! I'm, His world is a little bit larger. This is the darkest Peter Parker timeline. Like this guy's life sucks. Like mm-hmm. absolutely fucking sucks, and um, and uh, getting to something a little more dark, this goblin eventually leads to uh, so before <laughs> before there was uh Avengers Infinity War, and that was the snap, um, the this snap the I snap. used to think of <laughs> was the Green Goblin throwing Gwen Stacy off like a bridge and Spider-Man trying to catch her and being just a, just a hair too late with his webs and placement. Um, Mm -hmm. And this is in another instance where I'm like, yo, you took an absolutely classic pivotal Spider-Man comic and you adapted it. And that is seriously enough for me. Like that's enough for me. Um, Like the fact like that is like, that is a classic, classic green goblin throwing Gwen off the bridge and like Peter catching her, but the impact from the web is just off, and it and it just it kills her. The impact uh, is too sudden, and it kills her. And to be responsible for the death of the love of your life, especially uh, someone that you knew, you knew your her dad's dying words were like, "I know what's up. Please don't involve her." And he does mm-hmm. it anyway. And he knows he's doing wrong. He knows it, it, but but he's also struggling with the fact that this is Gwen's choice, and if she wants me, she wants me. And it's just, it's just, like I said, the darkest timeline for Peter Parker. Um, I, I think it works. And the reason why I think it works is because there's buildup and because like a, a lot of the conflict in this movie is whether or not Peter can let Gwen go um, in turn. Like, like she wants to go to Oxford to study and he's having a hard time with that. Uh, Cause he comics. has to, it, it. it feels like he has to choose between Gwen or Spider-Manning. And he's like, you know what? Why don't I just Spider-Man in England? And I think that those moments where they, like, uh, when he webs I love you on the bridge, and they meet up, and they have, like, she's like, he's like, did you get my message? And she's like, what message? And kind of pretending that she didn't see it. And the way that they look at each other in that scene does feel very raw, and very, like, we're gonna do this, like, we're gonna be happy, we're gonna finally be happy together, like, we're gonna make this work. And then to have the snap, I thought that was great. It was great. the, the, The tragedy felt real. Absolutely. And um, I wonder if uh, you mentioned earlier that like their chemistry isn't there as much in the first one, but it, it, you like it in this one. And like, so they dated in real life. Yeah. Um, so I wonder if maybe the, the, the chemistry flowed naturally into this one because they were like legit in love when they were making the second one, I assume. 
Um, mm. cause they were definitely still together and what a cool, what a cool showmance, by the way. I love Peter and, and Gwen being together in real life, but mm-hmm. yeah, I think it shows, I think they're both giving great performances in this one. I think Mark Webb shoots romance. Like, like, a, like I said, and also his action is great too. Not, I'm actually not blaming Mark Webb for anything. I think he's great. Um, I think it's studio and script and editing things that are the, are the issue at hand. Um, but if you know the if you know the books and you see where you, I think I think everybody had an idea that it was heading toward like Gwen's death and so mm-hmm. this movie becomes really morbid to watch. I remember in theater, uh, did you see Hot Tub Time Machine? You know I did. Okay, so you know in Hot Tub Time Machine, uh, dude from Back to the Future, Marty McFly's dad, he's got like that one arm in that movie. Yeah, and yeah, like yeah. so, the whole movie they keep on thinking they're gonna see him lose his arm, and it almost gets like pulled off by a truck, and they're like, "Oh!" And then it doesn't happen. And yeah. he's like juggling chainsaws, and everybody's like, "Here it is!" And it doesn't happen. That's what <laughs> this movie felt like to me. Like especially uh, when I was watching it in theater, and then rewatching it, I'm like, "Like, well, now I know." But when I was watching it in mm-hmm. theater, I was like, "Oh my god, here it is!" And they like, it seems like they're about to have her get killed like four different times, and then it's like every time she's like, "I love you," and like we're gonna have all this time together. I'm like, "No, you're not." And like it was just they committed, oof, they really did, they did, and and uh, I appreciate that. And it, it sucks that I think this is the better movie, and actually pretty good, and had potential uh, to 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 do more. Like they were setting up the Sinister Six in this movie. We saw the Vulture Wings, which we eventually got uh, with Homecoming, but we saw um, uh, the Doc Ock tentacles. Um, the Green Goblin suit comes out of that facility with the other six. They do Ravencroft Institute, which is like Spider-Man's version of Arkham. It's so cool. Um, another thing they did in this one that I love, and and it turns out that like, so Green Goblin's like, okay, spiders regenerate. If I can get the experiment and the Spider-Man Spider-Man's blood, uh, and be a human test subject, my cells can regenerate, and this Goblin disease will slow down, if not be cured. And so that becomes a major plot point. And that's what turns uh, actually accelerates his disease and makes him super goblin-y and like crazy um, because they do a thing where Richard Parker used his own blood for the original uh, experiment with the radioactive spiders. And so that mm. spider that bit Peter only worked the way it did and made him spidey because it was in his DNA, which then makes this a matter of becoming spider-man was his literal destiny so i love that like i'm like holy shit it's an interesting take especially because they have like the light and dark father and son legacy thing going on yeah it's fucking great like that's a that's genius like make this the first movie you know what i mean like yeah absolutely make this the first movie what were you doing like if you introduce like if you if you trim this plot up a bit just a bit but you throw you throw in Garfield being this fun and this suit, and you just get to this right here. Mm-hmm. I'm like, I'm into it. Like this, this is a first movie would have fucking delivered. Um, but you know, it the 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 the, the times are changing, and sometimes you gotta go with you gotta go with what's hot. And at the time, uh, I guess that 2011 reboot, the way they went with it, was the most attractive look. Um, but. I think this one uh, was actually a, a pretty good movie and bears, uh, bears re- rewatching. Mm, absolutely. I would recommend it. I think that um, with all the Spider-Man going on, if you want the full picture, this is great. I think this is also a great contrast to Into the Spider-Verse, which also has Gwen Stacy in it in a much absolutely. different capacity. 
And I think that it's it's fun to look at those different takes and kind of figure out where where people were coming from when they were creating these stories. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. Um, I'm I'm really I'm really, like I said, happy to see these movies uh, for what they are now. Because at mm. the time, I just couldn't um, with I mean media the way it was and like all this hype around like, you know, will we ever see Spider Man with the Avengers and stuff? And now that like we had like years straight of it, like 16. So in 2016, like I think a whole year before we were even slated to get amazing Spider-Man three. Originally that was going to happen in like 20, uh, 2016 or 2017. They were going to wait three years to make the third one, which is like a mistake. Um, originally that was going to happen. And instead we get in 2016, we get Spider-Man and civil war with the end of the MCU. And it's amazing. 20 the the next the next summer uh we get homecoming the next summer we get infinity war the next summer we get in game and far from home like now we've got and with spider-verse and that video game like i said so like now we're just like getting overrun and they're still finding nice spins and like somehow it's all great yeah it's we're living that, in like, the age maybe, of spider-man right and but maybe we don't get here without uh without these two Mark Webb pictures. So they serve, they serve their purpose for better or worse. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I yeah. had fun revisiting them. I'm, I'm glad that we, uh, that, that you chose this. Yeah, I am too. And like, I just thought that like now is as good a time as any. Did you see far from home? Not yet. No. Katie. I know. I know. Oh man. If you get a <laughs> chance to see it in 3d, all the Mysterio shit in 3d is pretty rad. Cool. Um, and I'll I'm keep not that really mind. a 3D cat by any means, but this is a cool one. Um, like I said, I saw it three times. It's very good. I'll probably see it a fourth. Um, and, you know, Tom Holland is just, I think what he's doing is just doing his own thing. Um, he, for one, he looks like a kid. Yeah. Which is kind of cool. Uh, he's got a New York accent, <laughs> which is cool. Um, he's got the benefit of having wonderful casts around him the whole time, but still mm-hmm. stands out, which is like good for him. And what a, like, what a world where like, you know, Andrew Garfield didn't get the fucking luxury of having Iron Man in his first movie. Mm, and that's like, true. Have, you know what I mean? Like just stuff like that. So I, I, I do feel, I do feel for that. And I, I would like, um, it, I think I was thinking it'd be really cool if they would do the amazing Spider-Man three as a comic book. Mm hmm. Uh, Cause I'd love to see where the story goes. I do. I like they, that's what sucks. They made me really care about these characters with the second one. Like one of the rarities where like the sequel wins me over when I didn't like the first one. Um, and I, I'd like to see where it goes. I remember the other day they, uh, they put like a, uh, like Marvel comics posted this thing on Instagram and social media everywhere else. And it was like a four with like webs and everybody's like, Oh my God, are they doing a Raimi Spider-Man four comic? Like, what an amazing idea. And then it was, like, the next day it was, like, three. And everybody's like, oh, shit, it's a countdown. And the big thing they were counting down to was J.J. Abrams and his kid are writing a Spider-Man comic. And everybody's like, who the fuck cares? Like, everybody <laughs> was so mean. Because, um, of course, we want that Spider-Man 4 comic. But as much as I want that, I think I would be equally interested in just seeing where the story was going to go. Um, yeah. Because this movie had introduced Electro, the Goblin. They were setting up uh, Rhino. They were setting up the Sinister Six. Um, they introduced Felicia, uh, Felicia Hardy, the black cat. Um, yeah. She wasn't the black cat yet, but she was introduced. Um, also, 
this movie being criminally chopped up by a uh, studio in the first one, but especially the second one, do you know who was gonna who was cast as Mary Jane and shot scenes for Amazing Spider-Man two? No, but I I have a vague memory of hearing that she was originally planted in this one. Who was it? Fucking Shailene Woodley. No like, way. Yeah, oh, your so girl. Like, my girl. Like, yeah. And like, uh, like uh, killing it. Like, she's having a great career. And like, regardless, but that would have been interesting to explore too. Like, I'd like to see her sh- like come back as Mary Jane. Also, there's a deleted scene. One of the ones that they chopped that they... For some reason, some of them they wouldn't put in the Blu-ray, but on this one, uh, but some of them they would. And like, there's a scene where like Peter's dad like visits him in the graveyard, and he's like been alive this whole time. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, what the fuck? Yeah. Like, I don't know, man. I don't know. I like. It's probably good that they cut that. <laughs> I don't know, dude. It's just like there's so much going on. I would, I would love to just see what the original one was. Um, cause like you can tell there's so much reshot shit. I'm pretty sure everything after Gwen dying, like that whole like little kid putting on the suit and then him having the rhino fight. I heard that yeah. was added last second. Like that didn't exist. It wasn't the original ending. Like that sounds so right because like, it, like if they couldn't commit to the bummer ending, like they did with Raimi Spider-Man one. Yeah. I like bummer endings if, if they work. Um, mm-hmm. either way I was like, how do you really come back from Gwen getting like killed it was really brutal i think you know now upon rewatching that re-watching this if they had done mary jane it would have been very interesting to see how that romance would have built after the trauma of gwen stacy dying and how they would have put that in film Mm -hmm. i would have i would have i would have turned out for a mark webb spider-man the problem is they were going to wait three years which was foolish and also they had all these other ideas like uh there was going to be a sinister six standalone Mm -hmm. or like drew goddard i think was going to work on it um there was like all these big plans and then do you remember when sony's like emails got hacked yeah and then they like all this other shit like we're gonna make an aunt may spy movie and like all this other crazy shit and uh (laughs) at that point after like the underperformance uh of amazing spider-man 2 it makes sense that they're finally like okay please let us we'll Honestly, the deal works pretty well because they're like, we'll lend you Spider-Man, but these are Sony movies. And so it's like, they're they're mutually beneficial. Um, and thank goodness, because now we're getting, you know, peak Spider-Man. So for better or worse, as I said, <laughs> I'm all about it. The more spied, the better. Yeah, and I look forward to seeing where they take the character from here. Absolutely. There's a, Katie, goddamn, you have to see Far From Home. There is some big, I know. big, I will. big game-changing shit that happens especially in the post credits i Uh, i I, like just had dinner with uh somebody yesterday and they were talking to me about uh that post credit scene they didn't tell me what happened but they were like it's it's great you'll scream okay okay there's something in the mid credit that you will you will shout about okay cool 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 i'm looking forward to it awesome this will be a fun plant i can't wait to i can't wait to hear once you've seen it okay i'll let you know Lovely. I've been Luke Taylor. I've been Katie Grotzinger. Have a good one, folks.